Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our channel today. We wanna to encourage you to subscribe and like today's video. Also, today's word is brought to you by our Truth Partners. These are people who want to financially invest to help us get this message of truth to around the nation and around the world. You can become a Truth Partner today by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give. Again, thank you for partnering with us on this message of truth, and thank you for liking and subscribing to today's video. God bless you. I pray this sermon blesses your life. So if you're visiting, I mean, there's, some, there's somebody on the lobby that will talk to you and get your info or whatever you want, but um, whatever, whatever those things are and systems are, I don't know, but um, the Lord's got you here today. And um, if you're visiting and um, I just want to talk to you about the Lord uh, more than I do our system of meeting new people. Because um, it doesn't really matter if you meet us as long as you meet him. But if you have your Bibles, I just want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians. Man, I just feel the Holy Spirit in here. 1 Corinthians. Um, crying and I can't see good. Um, 1 Corinthians 2. This is the Apostle Paul. And I'm, I'm literally just going to talk to you for like 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know how smart or educated or important you think you are today, but the Apostle Paul, I think, would challenge any of us in this room with his intellect and his, his uh, knowledge and wisdom and experience. He wrote two out of every three pages you flip through in the New Testament. He was one of the most educated men in all of Scripture most profound and prolific. And he makes this statement in 1 Corinthians chapter two, he says, and I brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you. I count everything that I know, all of my wisdom, doesn't mean anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's about the cross. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. But they were in demonstration the power, the Spirit of God. That your faith, your faith, 
as a believer, as a man, your faith as a man, your faith as a woman of God should not be in the wisdom of men. It should not be. But it should be in the power of God. That our faith is in Him. It's not in a person. It's not in how wonderful their words are, their wisdom, or their speech. But it's in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think for many of us, within our own homes, we're, we're not necessarily satisfied, those of us that are parents, with where some, are, some of our kids are with Jesus. Maybe we're just, just wish they were in a different place in their relationship with the Lord. But when Jesus becomes real to you as a parent, when he becomes real to you as a person, he's pretty much irresistible. He's pretty much irresistible. And as a pastor, as a church, I have nothing shinier to offer you than Jesus. I have nothing more beautiful to offer you than a relationship with him. And my advice for parents who feel like my kids are just maybe not where they need to be, I would say draw near to him so that his presence fills your home. You know, when Joanne and I go out to some restaurant and we, we come home and we tell our kids about it, guess where they want to eat? If we go on vacation and we come home talking about it, guess where they want to go? What if we came to our kids and said, you wouldn't believe the time I had with Jesus this morning. If you could have seen what he showed me in the spirit, what he did in my life this morning when I was just before him. They want to be you. They want to talk like you, walk like you. Maybe one of the greatest things we could do as parents is invite his presence in our home so that our children would taste and see that the Lord is good. It's not enough for us to tell our kids what's wrong with the world. There's a lot wrong with the world. You could spend an entire month talking to your kids about what's wrong with the world. But the way to keep them out of the world is not by trashing the world. The way to keep them out of the world is to expose them to the beauty of Jesus. The love of Jesus, the love of the Holy Spirit. That they would fall in love with how wonderful he is. Hey, I just want to take a moment and let you know that today's sermon is brought to you by our Truth Partners. If you're interested in being a Truth Partner, simply go to creativechurch.com slash give and select Truth Partners today. Again, please subscribe and like today's video. It's blessing you. It's blessing your family. And hey, let's get back to the Word. And so like the Apostle Paul had to make a decision, we all have to make a decision today to say, I claim to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That that is the greatest accomplishment of my Christian life is to have a relationship with Jesus. The book of Matthew chapter 16, 
you have your Bibles, just turn there with me. This will be the last text I'll give you. Matthew 16, verse 13. I went to Israel just a few weeks ago, and I, when I was in Israel, I, I went to this mountain that Jesus took his disciples to. And it was in the region of Caesarea Philippi. So verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Some say you are the son of man. Some say you are John the Baptist. Some say you are Elijah, others Jeremiah. Some say one of the prophets. Verse 15, but he said, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say I am? Who am I to you? Who is Jesus to you? As a person, who is Jesus to you? Verse 16, Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said, And blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father, which is in heaven, and also I say to you that you are Peter. Petros means small rock. But then he says, On this rock, what rock? That you are the Christ. That is the rock. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That one statement is the rock. That's what it's about. Upon that rock, I will build my church. I don't know how to build a church. I don't know how to do it. And what's even worse is I've been to seminars that tried to teach me how to do it. And I've read books on how to do it. And I've, you know, had people talk to me about how to do it or train me how to do it or... But at the end of the day, I'm not called to do it. What are we gonna do, fire Jesus? We didn't hire him in the first place. Unless I'm wrong, the word says, I will build my church. Jesus is called to build the church. So the pressure's off. It's not my job to wake you up and ask you to come here on Sunday. Jesus says, I'll touch the hearts of the people that come. I'll wake my people up. I'll give them a heart to serve. I'll give them a heart to give. I'll give them a heart to worship. I'll give them a heart to love one another. It's not your job to do it. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell. Let me show you the gates of hell. I got a picture they'll put up. This is, this is the mountain that Jesus was standing on when he, I took this picture when I was in Israel. This is called the gate of hell. And it's a real place. And 
it's a massive cavern. It's a, it's a natural giant cavern and it's at the base of a mountain and water would gush forth, literally. There's these huge streams that gush forth right out of this cavern and it feeds the Jordan River. And I got to baptize Nicholas and Alexander in the Jordan uh, River. And in front of this, this cavern, which they called the gate of hell is an opening. And there was a temple to Caesar, to Zeus, to the, the God named Pan, who was the fertility God of the Greeks and of the Romans. It was half man, half goat. And at the gate of hell, you had idolatry, you had government figures, you had political leaders, you had babies that they literally would throw into the gate of hell and they would drown and die. They had child sacrifice. They had sexual immorality at the temple of Pan to the degree of bestiality. And right in front of the spring source, they had tombs. So you see the glorification at the gate of hell of death, politics, government, child sacrifice, sexual perversion, and the false god Zeus. And they spoke of other false gods and false truths right at the gate of hell. And this, this cavern was considered so evil that Jewish people were not even allowed to go near it. And Jesus takes his disciples to the gate of hell. And in Jewish culture, it was like a no-no. You just, you didn't go there. It was so demonic. Jesus takes his disciples there and, and he says, there's a revelation of me that I want you to get. have, there's another picture they can put up of like these indentions there. You could see it. That's what it would have looked like. The temple's right in front of it. And then you see these indentions that they literally carved into the rock and they would put the gods of religion, the gods of sexual ideology, false truths, child sacrifice. They would put that. So this entire front of this mountain was covered in false gods right at the gate of hell. And everything I just named that was happening at the gates of hell is happening right now in our nation, in our world. And as much as it may grieve Jesus, it does not scare him. And he gives us the remedy to destroy the gates of hell. And it's that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, that's the remedy. This is the rock that you are the Christ. Everybody say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, this is the rock that I will build my church upon. And the problem is we get so caught up arguing about the gates of hell, trying to stop it, that we forget about the revelation Jesus gave us. 
the gifts of the Spirit are important, but God does not build his church on the gifts of the Spirit. The prophetic is important, but God does not build his church on the prophetic. Generosity and us blessing people and feeding hungry people and blessing orphans and all that is wonderful, but it is not what Jesus has built his church on. He says, I will build my church on the revelation that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. And the gates of hell, every idol that you see plaguing that generation will not be able to stop it. That's the revelation the church has to have, is the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. He's bigger than any problem your marriage faces. He's bigger than any problem you're facing with your children or your family or your home. The foundation of the church is you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the heart. And it's about us pivoting our heart as Christians and as believers back to him more than ever before. It's about a heart of repentance to God. You know, when David sinned against God, and in Psalms 51, he talks about it, and he makes a statement, he says, Lord, do not take your presence from me. Because David never wanted to be king. He never wanted to be king. When he was a boy in the presence of God, God found him and said, I found a man after my own heart, sent the prophet to anoint him. But David never sought it out. David never wanted to be king. All David wanted was the presence of God. I'm telling you that if you will just pursue him, he'll take you places you never thought you'd go. He'll do things in your life, young people, you never thought he would do. You don't have to promote yourself and exalt yourself. If you just run after his presence, David said, I want your presence. I value your words to me more than food. That for you to be silent to me and not talk to me is literal hell on earth. I just want to hear your voice. This is what I value. This is what David valued. Saul was different. The first king of Israel was different, that when he fell, he was concerned about the people and what the people would think and that he would lose the kingdom because he wanted the kingdom. He wanted the fame. He wanted the notoriety. He was concerned about what people would think more than he was concerned about what God would think. When Saul fell, he said, don't take the kingdom from me. But when David fell, he said, don't take your presence from me. Don't take your presence from me. Well, I want to be this. I want to be that. Why? Why do you want to be that? The one thing you can't hide from God, young people, is motive. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be famous. What's the motive behind that? Don't even run after ministry. I want to be in ministry. Why? Just run after him. Just run after his presence. Well, I want to be wealthy. Why do you want to be that? Just run after him. There's got to, it's got to come down to one thing. One thing, not many things. So many of us were so consumed with so, 
so many things. It reminds me of the story of Martha in Luke 11. Martha and Mary, and it happened as when they entered the village, a certain woman named Martha welcomed him, welcomed Jesus into her house. And she had a sister, Mary, who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words, but Martha was distracted. Somebody say distracted. She was distracted with much serving. Your busyness, your busyness distracts you from him. Much this, much that, I gotta get this done, I gotta get that done. Yeah, but it's, it's keeping you from him. Well, the Lord knows my heart, I just didn't have time to pray today because I had to, yeah, you're distracted with busyness. See, Martha knew how to get Jesus in the house, but Mary knew how to keep him. You're distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care? Do you not care, Jesus? What a silly question to ask the Savior who left heaven to come have a meal at your house that he doesn't care. She says, my sister has left me to serve alone. Therefore, tell her to help me. Be careful when you ask Jesus to correct other people. Some of you, the only time you talk to God is when you talk to him, asking him to fix somebody else to make your life easier. Quit talking to him about your husband and start talking to him about you. Quit talking to him about your wife and start talking to him about you. Quit, going, quit letting your prayer life be a tattletale session about what you think somebody ought to be doing. Jesus answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled. You're worried and troubled. In every area of your life that you're distracted from his presence, it will always be followed by those two words, worried and troubled. You're worried and troubled today because you're distracted. You're worried and troubled because you're not on your face before Jesus. Running after the things of this world. And that's why you're worried and troubled. That's why you can't sleep at night. That's why you're stressed out. He says you're so worried and troubled, running after all these things. Verse 42. But he says, but one thing is needed. Everybody say one thing. One thing is needed. Just one thing. Just one thing. It's not 50 things. It's not 80 things. He said, Martha, you made a 12-course meal. <laughs> but one thing is needed. You've done all this great stuff, but one, only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken from her. I'm telling you, all the stuff you're running for can be, can be taken from you. Money can be taken from you. Fame can be taken from you. Followers, taken. This can be taken. Everything, everything that you're being distracted with can be taken from you. Except sitting at his feet. One thing. Everybody say one thing. Come up here, John. Andrew, run up here real quick for me, please. I had him bring this ladder up here. 
and it's sturdy and we believe in divine healing. So John, you come. John represents, John's gonna represent all of you who are trying to climb, trying to get somewhere. Just gotta get here, I just gotta make it, I just gotta, you're not lazy, I'm not calling you, I'm not saying it, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying pursuing things or having a career, God blessing you is wrong. I'm saying anything you put before him. John represents all of us in this room that have pursued things over Jesus and you start climbing, you know, your 20s and your 30s and your 40s and your 50s and you start to climb. And he's going for it, he's going for the wealth, the money, the fame, he's going for it. And then he's up there, he's climbing it, right? And the thing about climbing is there's always more steps. There's always more steps. And the and then you got Andrew over here. Andrew, why don't you just, you just lay down. Right here, you just lay down. You just lay down. So John's represents those of us that are, are climbing and striving. You fill in the blank, because you know. Andrew represents those of us that just get up in the morning and lay on our face before God and say, God, I just need you in my life. I'm not running after things before I run after you. I'm not pursuing things before I pursue you. I'm not gonna value things in my relationship with people over my relationship with you. The question I have for all of you in the room this morning is which one of these men are more likely to fall? And the higher John wants to climb on that ladder, the more he has to hold on and the more, the more stressed, the more worried, the more fearful. Peace is not at the top of that ladder. Do you hear what I said? Peace is not at the top of that ladder. You know, what's that? You know what you get with every step? More stress more worry, more fear, and be careful of people who, who cheer you on all while at the bottom saying, oh, you got it. Don't worry, I'll help you if you fall. No, you won't, no, you're not. I'm not gonna stop that fall. If Humpty Dumpty comes off that ladder, me and him, all the king's horses and all the king's men are not gonna be able to put us back together again. where he has nowhere to go but up. And Jesus says, if you exalt yourself, I will bring you down. But if you humble yourself under my hand, I will exalt you. 
You awake? You fell asleep. Come on, get up. Come on down, Zacchaeus. Come on down. Give them both a big God bless you. I love you. I love you. My prayer for all of you is that you would you would value his presence more than anything. Say, God, I put you first. I don't want to lean on my own understanding and fall. I want to lay on my face before you and say, you are the source of my strength. Come on, you get some out of this today. Hey, if this sermon blessed you and your family, I want to encourage you to be a truth partner. You can do that by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give and partnering with us to help get this message of truth out to more people in our nation and around the world. It is our truth partners that make this a reality. Again, thank you for subscribing to our channel. Thank you for liking today's video. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon.